In an interview in English Journal, author Stephen King was asked, What makes a good horror story? He replied, Character, I think. You care about the people, particularly in Salem's Lot and The Shining, which were real screamers. People have said to me that both novels have slow builds, and they do. But the thing is, I want you to feel that the characters are people that you care about, that they are real, and that they are doing real things. That you don't have to dismiss them on the grounds of, well, they're just doing this because the writer wants them to do it. You must feel that the characters are deep. And I don't mean deep in the sense that they have a lot of deep thoughts. They must have thickness. Do they stand off the page? When the writer puts them into a position where they can't get out, you don't get scared of monsters. You get scared for people. I think it's important that the reader knows that the writer is not playing. This isn't going to be a Hardy Boys story where everybody survives at the end and there never was any real danger. I think that you know you've grown up when you say to yourself, I don't want to read any more Superman because he is the man of steel and he's always going to get out of this jam, whatever it is, and nothing serious is really going to happen to him. So then, how does Stephen King see the world? I'm not very optimistic about the world. I think that shows in the books. The books that influenced me the most when I was growing up were by people like Thomas Hardy, Frank Norris, and Theodore Dreiser. All those people of the naturalistic school believed once you pull out one rock, it's sort of a relentless slide into the pit. I don't think that any thinking person can look at the world in our society and see anything very secure. The whole situation is bad. I try to do as well by my family as I can. I try to raise my kids to be good people, you know, the good guys, that sort of thing. But I don't think the future looks very bright. Words of Stephen King in an interview with Paul Janetko in English Journal. We're about to learn about the approach director Joshua Plesch takes in the current production of Carrie the Musical, based on a book by Stephen King. Though Plesch considered the familiarity the audiences will have with the film, because of his own experience as a schoolteacher, his vision for Carrie comes out closer to Stephen King's own sense of a good horror story. And his actors feel King's worldview as integral to the show, the Pennsylvania Theater of Performing Arts will present Carrie this weekend. And we had a visit from director Joshua Plesch and actors Jaden Kolb and Holly Pambianco. And they talked about the show. Carrie the Musical follows the same kind of core format as the classic Carrie story that you know and love. From the book, from the 70s movie, perfect. And there's been many, many adaptations of, uh, of Carrie be it sequels or TV series or whatever the case may be. But the musical is really great because it kind of takes us in a little rock opera direction. Adding these songs, adding these musical stylings, it kind of reinvents the show in a cool new way for audiences that may have seen it a million times before. You have a wide range, Joshua. <laughs> Why did you say, I'll take this on? What attracts you about this? So that's a two-part thing, actually. We have a junior council at our theater, the Pennsylvania Theater of Performing Arts, and this show was actually one of their suggestions. They wanted to do this for a long time. 
kids are dark these days. <laughs> so that that kind of got this on our on our radar. But I wanted to direct it because usually the things that I direct are a little glum and uh, a little dark. I don't know why. I'm not a big Disney guy. But I was kind of drawn to this one because I, I get to do what I love and the style that I love. And I thought it fit me and I could bring it to life. As actors, you have a chance to go out for lots of roles. Do you each like to do musicals just generally over the plays that are dramatic without music? How about you, Margaret? Um, I do both. Uh, it's actually been almost four years since I've done a show. So I'm back from a bit of a hiatus. I, I love a straight play. I love... I love a musical, and I love doing tech work as well. I love doing backstage work. So um, I've kind of done it all at this point. People don't know it, but you drive from the Wyoming Valley to Hazleton mm -hmm. to do this. So that says something about your commitment to theater, but also your desire to get back in and do this role. And Carrie, now, how about you? Carrie's been on my radar for years now, maybe three years ago. I, I've been asking Josh, <laughs> when are you going to do Carrie? And so, yeah, I've been waiting for this one. Singing's my favorite part about it. And so we always talk about developing characters or having a concept. Now, you've told us, Joshua, that this is something that might be fresh for our listeners if they've seen Carrie a, a number of times. What do you bring that makes it not a send-up of Carrie? I mean, do you want it to be kind of campy? Do you want it mm -hmm. to be something that we go in and we really believe. How do you deal with that concept of the violence and the scariness? Absolutely. I think that campy 70s horror has its place. And, and we all love it. We love our slashers. We love our 70s horror. We've seen them all. What's cool about Carrie is I think the horror in it comes from something else. We don't need those jump scares. We don't need Jason Voorhees. We don't need the Kruger claws, right? We get this psychological terror coming from, in one part, Margaret, Margaret's character, the religious upbringing with Carrie at home, the very sheltered life, the very toxic environment, the very, very toxic environment <laughs> at home, which I'm excited for audience to see on stage. And also from Carrie's experience in the school, we all know what it's like to be bullied. We have all been in high school. We've all had our bullies. We've all been treated badly. To watch it happen to somebody else is a very visceral thing because we all know what it feels like. I hope you don't have to build on your own personal experience, but have you had experience, Carrie, in school with disagreeable? Yeah, I think everybody goes through it at some point. It's just kind of, unfortunately, a way of growing up. But, you know, you learn to grow past those things. So to bring it back, you kind of know that you've grown from it. And it's kind of just pretending or acting at this point. And Margaret, how about you in your own experience in life? Did you have bullying going on in your high school? Oh, of course. I was a drama kid. <laughs> From 12 years old on, I was a drama kid. So I was, I was definitely one of the losers. And I was proud of it. I loved it. It never bothered me for some reason. It just, it never did. I had my place and that was, I, I mean, I don't love it, but I think once you find what you love to do in a group of people that you love to do it with. It doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks. And you recognize what Joshua is saying about the psychological terror that is perhaps scarier than oh, the yeah. telekinesis or whatever, right? Definitely. Um, I think Margaret and Carrie take that to a different level. I think it's 
it is very it's very personal. And if you've ever dealt with a parent that is controlling in any way or kind of narcissistic and just, you know, they believe that what they want for you is right and how to navigate that uh, as you grow up. I think I think that's a very difficult place for any teenager to be in. And I think that this show does take it to a bit of an extreme, but that's another thing that audience members will be able to relate to. Something that I sympathize with now, if you asked me to direct this show five, six years ago, I wouldn't have been able to um, connect with. But in that time, I've become a teacher. I've been a teacher for a number of years now. So talking about that bullying and these aspects, I see these characters in our show. For example, we have uh, Mr. Stevenson, the English teacher, um, Mrs. Gardner, the gym teacher, and they try their darndest to help these kids out and help them through life. And it, and it's very touching to see the way I interact with some of these kids that I see on a daily basis that are going through these hard times. It's like looking in a mirror. And as you suggest that, yes, Stephen King takes it in his book and the musical to an extreme, but that at the core, there's something very real about the dynamics that are going on. How do you approach the character of Carrie what happens from the early stages of the musical to the climax for Carrie in terms of development? What do you experience happening as you're going through it as an actor? Well, starting out, I mean, going into any show, you really don't have a clue of what goes on with your character. But getting into it, it's um, it's rough. It's deep. And that'll take a toll on you, you know? I mean, when you're on stage, obviously, it's a scene, it's pretend or whatever, but when you think about it, when I'm on stage, I think, I try to put myself in the mindset thinking like, if this were to actually happen, how would I feel? And it's scary. I mean, going off of what Holly said, that's scarier than any bully or anything. Having a hard life at home is scarier than a bucket of blood. When you two are together and you're directing a scene with two of them, is there an intimacy of the stage setting that allows us to feel the tension that's building? Um, our set design for this show, on one side of our set, I have Margaret's house. And in designing this kind of space, I wanted to give it an almost surrealist perspective. So the walls are not straight, normal square walls when you look at them. They're crooked. They're slanted. There's something wrong going on here. In the actual pieces on the stage, it's very black box. It's very minimal. I strictly have a kitchen table, two chairs, and a staircase. Under that staircase is the prayer room of the house where we see Carrie get dragged into in both a place of terror and a safe space. So keeping those limitations those very few set pieces creates a very intimate relationship with the characters and the setting they only have that kitchen table that they go to they sit at they have meals that is their safe space when they're not there things are wrong it doesn't sit well so i like the little kind of emotional spaces that we've created you're shaking your head i Holly. i completely agree and i think that because the focus is on the characters more so than a big elaborate set audience members are most likely going going to feel that a little bit deeper and um there is there is a pretty significant power shift throughout the show between margaret and carrie and you will see that and you will feel that like she starts very uh submissive and very eager to please everyone 
and kind of keep her head low. And then by the end of it, she's in charge. And she, of her mother, of the school, of everything. She kind of takes back her own life. And the consequences of that are another story. But there is there is a very significant shift. Could this have been Ronald instead of Carrie? Does it matter that Carrie is a young woman? Are there themes around that, do you think? There definitely are. It starts out with her being bullied because she gets her first period in high school. So they are teasing her and throwing things at her because of that. And she brings that home and Margaret sees that as my daughter's becoming a woman. I cannot allow this to happen. What comes along with getting your first period and womanhood um, and all of the things that she is scared her daughter will face. So there's a lot of that. I don't think Carrie could have been male. You don't think so, Carrie, as you inhabit Oh, yeah, not for a second. I think that her being a female and becoming a woman is basically the center of the show. And in schools, it's normally to see girls get bullied, I feel, is a lot more common. And so when she gets bullied about getting her first period, that's the start of it all. But also then when you're a girl, I mean, talking from experience, it's hard to find your clique. And I think that the same thing goes for Carrie. I mean, she always keeps her head down. If it was a guy, I mean, normally they can find their groups pretty easily. Tell us about how the songs, the music is integrated into the telling of the story. So I think Carrie does a really cool thing in being one of the early adopters of what we see as like modern rock pop musicals. So it's a cool mix when we're in our school when we're with our young teens, we have very upbeat, rock-centric performances, right? Dance numbers. It's not a very dance-heavy show. There's only around three major dance numbers in, in the piece, but it's with our teens. When we get into scenes and songs with Margaret and Carrie, these are power ballads, and there is such a strong shift. And it, in points while you're watching the show, and, and as a director, as I'm sitting in my seat and I'm watching watching these wonderful performers I'm 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 dancing in my seat when the kids are on stage and they're dancing and it's a great time. And then I get into our hard and heavy, heartful scenes with Carrie and her mom. And I think, what kind of show am I even watching anymore? And then I'm back to the kids again. And then once again, they pull me back into these heartfelt ballads. And it's a conflicting roller coaster, I think. But that's what makes this one really special. Is there a sense that we go away with that... This is the way of the world that bullying is endemic to the way our young people experience their school years and moms and daughters are often at odds and sometimes there's abuse, whether it be physical or emotional, and what kind of a world do we live in? Are we left with questions? When I started developing my ideas for for this show, obviously... The claim to fame for Carrie was the 70s movie, right? The first one. And you go back and you watch that and you say, wow, this is very 70s. Their costume is very 70s. The music is very 70s. And and when I started my design for this show, I had that in my head. And I was like, this is what I want people to see. People know what this is. People love this movie. They should be able to come and see and recognize it. And the more I thought about it, I decided that the themes are such a holdover and nothing really changes except the things they wear. I see this every single day. Girls like Carrie. The themes of this are still so relevant today that I 
kind of scrapped that whole idea. So if you come and you see our production, you're going to see that it's not a show stuck in the 70s. These are these are now modern costumes, modern things they're wearing. I think to say that all of these themes are, are stuck in the 70s is such a disservice to the actual content of it. I think with this show, you will see a little bit more depth to the characters. You get a little bit more insight into them individually. And obviously you get that through the music and, you know, the way they interact. But there are some very powerful songs, I would say, for each of the the main characters that really guides you to understand their character a little bit better rather than just the movie where it's kind of just about the horror that we do delve a little bit more into the concepts. And honestly, I think that you're more likely to leave saying like, yeah, this is what the world is. It's not it's not all rainbows and unicorns. There is bullying and there was bullying in the 70s and there's bullying now and there will be bullying 40 years from now. So I think that, I mean, it draws light to it. Will it change it? No, but I, I do think it's a fun portrayal of it. And that's an interesting word to use too. Just like Holly said, you're not going to leave the theater thinking everything's okay, everything's going to go back to normal, Carrie's going to be okay, everybody's going to come back to life. That's not how you're going to leave feeling. And although people are coming expecting, oh, I love this movie, Uh, it's so good, it's incredible. When you're in a theater, and I find that when you see live theater, it draws you in incredibly more than sitting at home watching a movie with your popcorn or your candies when you're in live theater you are drawn in and to see all of these brutal themes i think will hammer down on the fact that not everything's going to be okay i think i think jade makes a really awesome point there there's like a we kind of disassociate when we watch a movie right and we see these people on screen and and yes we might feel things for them but to actually be in this building watching these real life people looking into their eyes dealing with this it makes you feel a different kind of way it's visceral to watch literally these these children on stage it does something to you when you see it in person you're very in a way brave to do it because you have to in order for us to believe you you have to go places that may be scary for you each to go to even you director because Mm. you have to feel it equally in that way Tell us the particulars, when and where. It will be at the Pennsylvania Theater of Performing Arts, November 3rd and 4th at 7 p.m. and November 5th at 3 p.m. Actors Jaden Culp, who is Carrie, and Holly Pambianco, who is Margaret, with director Joshua Plesch. Speaking about Carrie the Musical, to be presented by the Pennsylvania Theater of Performing Arts, 212 West Broad Street in Hazleton, this weekend, Friday and Saturday at 7 p.m., Sunday at 3. For more information and tickets on the web, ptpashows.org. That's Carrie the Musical, to be presented by the Pennsylvania Theater of Performing Arts, 212 West Broad Street in Hazleton, Friday and Saturday at 7, Sunday at 3, ptpashows.org.